The following is an at-will presentation. Welcome to The Marrow, conversations with creatives about who they are and why they make what they make. I'm your host, Josh Reebok. Today I'm speaking with ballerina Megan Fairchild. Megan Fairchild, you are a principal dancer for the New York City Ballet. You have been in, and currently are in, The Nutcracker. You have been in Midsummer Night's Dream, Sleeping Beauty. In 2014, you were on Broadway in our town. It is such, such an honor <laughs> to have you on The Marrow. Thank you so much for coming by. Thanks for having me. So can I, I, I know I know nothing about dancing. <laughs> like, no, nothing at all. I, my, my two sisters, once when I was a kid, they convinced me to dress up in a can-can dress. <laughs> and, and so I did that, and I loved Michael Jackson, and I, I admire so greatly your art form, but I know nothing about it. Okay. But I saw something the other day that I thought, how do I describe um, for people, or even just for myself, mm-hmm. what you do? Mm-hmm. And so I was with Kristen, my wife, mm-hmm. and we were in Massachusetts, and we're sitting in this empty wooden lodge you know, big moose head mm-hmm. up over the fireplace. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting in these very, very comfy, deep, absorbing couches, <laughs> sipping hot chocolate. And we have a fire in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching these flames kind of go back and forth. And there's this real kind of elegance to a fire in a fireplace. Mm-hmm. It's red, it's orange, there's blue. Then there's all these like nuanced colors, like mm-hmm. blues and greens and whites. And there is this kind of intricacy to the way it moves and there's Mm -hmm. this technicality Mm -hmm. to the way it moves and there's something so absorbing and mesmerizing (laughs) about the way it moves and the way it sounds and the way you feel while watching all these things but at the same time Mm -hmm. I also know while sitting on this couch that the fire is very hot Mm -hmm. and that there's something extremely dangerous about it (laughs) and and that's actually kind of how I feel when when I watch you perform is it's so elegant it's so mesmerizing. I mean, it's so stunning, but at the same time, as as elegant as it is, there's something really, really like there's this kind of dangerous energy to you that I absolutely that I absolutely love. So that's the best way I have come up with to think of how I would describe um, what you do. But but all is to say, I'm so grateful for your art form, and I really am. Uh, grateful for you taking the time to come on here today. It's my pleasure. So, so here's my first question. Okay. One of many. What is the greatest, in your opinion, greatest misconception um, about the ballet world? I think that uh, something that alarms me when I meet new people that don't know about our industry is that they're like, oh, wow, you're so nice. And I'm like, what did you expect? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Think, um, there's a you know kind of bitchy quality yep. that people put on hmm. um, the the ballerina, like a diva, you know. Yeah. And um, we're really just normal human beings that have decided to uh, really dedicate ourselves to this technique and craft and yeah. performing. And so, uh, you know, I think maybe it's a little bit like. Movies like Black Swan don't <laughs> yeah. help us much. Yeah, right. Um, right. And also, the the next thing I would say is people are always shocked that dancers eat. Yeah. So <laughs> I, that's what I also have to educate them on is like, well, we dance all day long. Yeah, right. So we actually eat more than, you know, the regular person that I'm, sits at a desk. I mean, I've read that, that certain ballerinas, they, they ingest like 10, 12,000 calories a day just to kind of replenish those they've burned off working all day. We do. We eat more than the normal person, I would say, wow. when we're working. I think if you uh, – I've had friends come out to dinner with, uh, you know, a group of dancers after we've performed and been kind of shocked at how many big plates we order and share <laughs> together and right. you know so it's it's really uh you know there's a balance in of everything and, and we're course. not too extreme so. well but and but this is a world you have spent i mean the world of ballet you have spent your entire life in this world i mean i think you started at the age of four yeah right and and that all started very far from New York City, which is where mm-hmm. you are now. That all started in the great state of Utah. So, right. I mean, what what was what was life like growing up in Utah? Um, well, my family's not Mormon, mm. so both my parents are originally from California, and they liked the you know um, scenery in Utah, and they met in college there and decided to stay. And so, I 
that was the most interesting part of growing up was that I was, not only was I a dancer and not part of all of the social activities that everyone at school was doing, because I was, you know, going straight to ballet every day after school while they were all, you know, getting to know each other better. So I was a little (laughs) removed in that way, but then I was also removed again just because everyone at school was Mormon. Yeah. So uh, that I didn't really realize how odd I was in that setting until I moved to New York and finally Mm. fit in so much. Yeah, right. So once I came out um, when I was 16 to my first summer program here at at the School of American Ballet, and I was like around other people that were so like-minded, not only in dance, but just in general life, I was like, oh, these are my people. (laughs) And I I knew that I, you know, after, you know, a five-week summer course, by the end, I was like, I've got to, I've got to come back here and I, this has to be where I am. So, I mean, as a kid, did you did you feel, I mean, the way you describe it, I, and I know it wasn't like this um, all the time, but I mean, did you feel kind of isolated? Did you feel like an anomaly in this, in this context? Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind sticking out for my dancing, but I think it was hard to like, I would go to slumber parties with friends and yeah. the girls would be like, well, so if you aren't Mormon, what do you believe in? And I was like, ah. <laughs> My parents were just like, just be good people. <laughs> yeah. Like they had no, right. nothing they put down that, yeah, you know, right. this is what our family believes in. So I yeah. literally had my parents drop me off at like a, you know, a Presbyterian church yeah. every Sunday from like fourth to sixth grade. And I just took <laughs> myself to Sunday school because I was like, I'm Presbyterian. Yeah. I, have, <laughs> I have a place that I belong. Yeah, right. So anyways, <laughs> I was searching. <laughs> well, I mean, who are you closest to? I mean, in the context of your family, I mean, they sound interesting. You have a, you have a brother, Robert, mm-hmm. who is also a principal dancer for mm-hmm. the New York City Ballet. Yeah. I mean, who amongst your family were you closest to growing up? Um, we were all very close, but my brother and I, he's always kind of followed my path of whatever I did. I tried the violin. He played the violin. I went to gymnastics. He went to gymnastics. And so he started dancing even earlier than me at three. Wow. And so we were always kind of doing the same kind of thing. Mm. And even when we were just at home, most kids are like playing around. Like uh, my brother and I would be dancing in the living room hmm. um, to like Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> and stupid, you know, like. Billy, the Billy Joel CD that my parents had. Yeah, right. So that that was what was entertaining to us, and we would put on shows for our parents. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know, like a little ticket that said, your seat is the white couch. And yeah. <laughs> so so did, this, did this, like, theatrical inclination or this dance inclination mm-hmm. for both you and your brother, I mm-hmm. mean, did, did you receive that from your parents, or can you even pinpoint where this came from? Um, I would say my parents, my mom has a great appreciation for any type of performance, mm-hmm. um, but not specifically ballet or anything. My mom loved all of the Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire movies. Oh, yeah, right. My mom loves a musical more mm-hmm. than anyone I know. <laughs> and so she um, took me to a tap class was the first way I kind of got into dance. Because okay. there's a video of me li- very little, and I'm kind of dancing around a lot. And so, and my mom was super uncoordinated. She was in like remedial PE when she was in school. I don't even know what, if that exists anymore, but super uncoordinated and clumsy. And my dad is very um, kind of, he can, he's skilled athletically. He was in like the college soccer team, on the college soccer team. Okay. Um, but he's, you know, very tight and not flexible. So I think <laughs> together somehow yeah. they made the physical aspects that my brother and I have that are good for dancing. But also I think my mom has a great appreciation for it. Okay. And, and my dad's whole side of the family, everyone plays an instrument. So my brother oh, okay. and I don't play an instrument, but okay. I think, you know, there's a musical side and yeah. and then just, you know. I mean, clearly there's an artistic texture yeah, to even your family. I wouldn't say my parents are the most artistic people I know, hmm. but um, they, they can appreciate it. Wow. And so what, what drew you specifically to ballet? I mean, and maybe you can't pinpoint that as a four-year-old, but no, even I as can. you look. What, what, what was it? Um, when I was eight, my mom took me to the Nutcracker. And there's not anything else where you can see someone your age, like performing professionally on the stage Mm. that I don't think anything else could hit so close to home as being a little kid sitting in the audience and seeing other little kids up there. You're like, I want to. How come that's not me? (laughs) So that was quickly like, you know, and when you you take it, one of these little dolly dinkle, we call them schools, they have you do tap, jazz and ballet. And so I was always doing a little bit of everything. But then. You know, as I got a little bit older, I saw that nutcracker and I was like, 
next year. I'm going to be one of those kids. And then that kind of like zeroed Mm. me in on the ballet a little more. And I kind of, I think, stood out in terms of liking it more than the rest of my classmates. Everyone Mm. thinks ballet is boring usually. Mm. You know, Mm. that's not the fun part of dance class. (laughs) And I was like really into it and the technique of like standing at the bar and working on these exercises and everybody Mm. else is like, oh, can we just skip bar today? Let's just dance around. (laughs) I liked the detail-oriented aspect of ballet Mm. and that it's... um, a little more black and white that mm. you can really say what is good technique or not whereas opposed to the kind of more like uh, jazz uh, lyrical dancing that you would see on like So You Think You Can Dance Okay, you can't really say if something's like super right or wrong yeah, because right, it's right. it's uh, such a wider vocabulary mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. ballet is very um, it's more disciplined and I'm very much like that I so. mean and, th- and that's so interesting because so much of um, different crafts within you know the artistic field there's so much subjectivity to is this quote good or is it bad or is right. that a well in my industry it's like is that a well constructed sentence or right. a well told story or is right. this good poetry or mm-hmm. you know you think of dead poet society <laughs> right when, you know, Professor Keating is just completely berating, um, you know, I think this the guy's name is like Dr. Pritchard and his like scale of poetry because it's so black and white. And right. he's like, that's not how it works. And he's like, it's about something more than that. Right. But you're describing something not that that doesn't exist and not that there isn't feeling, but that the discipline and that really kind of the technicalities of it. Are, are really are really paramount to it. Yeah, specifically in ballet, it's just so formal and structured that there is a right and a wrong you can easily see. And and especially as you know, we're talking still. I'm like from a young age. Like that's when it's really important to. Mm. That's when it's more black and white. Like okay, yeah. you got to really work on this posture, or you're right. not holding yourself right, or your hips up, or mm-hmm. this is the position is very yeah. specific. But then as you become a professional, you know, right. you layer on your artistic you know, preferences and choices sure. and develop yourself in that way. But yeah. there is a really strong technique that has to first yeah. be developed. Well, and without those fundamentals, none of none of it, I mean, none of the flourishes right. matter if you don't get right. the fundamentals. I mean, so you kind of alluded to this. So have you always been disciplined? I mean, the fact that as a kid you were drawn to the bar, I mean, I would have been yeah. the one wanting to like chop the bar down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you've, you've always had this sense of discipline? Yeah. I uh, I also have always been a perfectionist. Like uh, my okay. mom said when I was like a toddler, I'd be like coloring, you know, in a coloring book. And if I colored outside of the lines just once, I would rip the page out of the book, crumple it up and throw it across the room just as <laughs> very, very, very young. Yeah. Like and I, she would always say that I had this. I would always respond to something like, I just want to start it over on a blank slate. Like, I needed everything to be perfect. There was that kind of drive, which lends itself to being a ballet dancer because every day you, you know, you go in and you kind of do the same kind of steps, but um, there's always more perfection you can ask of yourself Hmm. no matter what point you're at in your career. Yeah, right. So it is, it, it kind of, you know, characters like me gravitate towards ballet because... yeah. Well, and, and I can see how like that, having that just, I don't know, maybe you call it wiring mm-hmm. would kind of lend itself to ballet. I mean, are there ways, um, not only in your art form, but in your life that you see where perfectionism hampers your ability to enjoy what you're doing? I honestly, at this point, I got me to where I am, but yeah. I wish I wasn't a perfectionist anymore because mm. I just did Sugar Plum um, in the Nutcracker last Saturday night, a couple nights ago. And, you know, you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse, and then you get out there and you have that, you know, one moment of performance. You don't get to go back and redo it. And, like, there was just one or two things that weren't as great as I rehearsed them, Mm. and I know that I can do better. And it is so hard Hmm. to just be okay with what you did. Yeah, right. So I I wish I, I could let go a little sooner of just, well, whatever I put out there and that's it and be proud of it instead of like, right. oh, I know I could do that better yeah, and, and right. wishing that you could just go back. And, mm-hmm. and so I hate that feeling that I'm going home after like all this hard work and yeah. like all people enjoyed the performance and it was great. And my boss and everybody was like super happy with it. They're like, what's your problem? It was great. Yeah. And, and I'm like, there's just this little bit of like not enjoying it yeah. as much as I would have wanted to. And, and is, I mean, and from, I mean, let's take, you know, the ordinary Joe like <laughs> me. It doesn't matter if I'm in the first row or the or the one thousandth row. <laughs> the mistake you noticed, yeah. I I of course 
don't, but yeah. but that I mean. Yeah, and even if it's something you noticed, you wouldn't be hung up on it because you're just staying in the present moment and watching what you know. And we move on to another step, another yeah. great step, right. and that goes well. Right. And and right. and then the finishes, you know, you know, the finish of a big pas de deux or a big ballet, like. Sometimes that's the most important to people. Yeah. That's all they remember are all they seem to respond to in their applause. Right. But I'm hung up on that one time I yeah. didn't turn exactly how I had rehearsed. Well, and I and I um, I know when I'm on a stage, you know, telling stories and reading poetry, I, I've 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 long dreaded that, like going up on stage and doing that. Mm-hmm. And. You know, that's been a real process for me to understand why, where does that dread come from? And some of it is anxiety and all these other things. Mm -hmm. But part of it is I dread the fact that I know I'm going to completely berate myself afterwards for any mistake that I make. Yeah, that's true. Even if no one else makes it, that's part of my where my dread comes from. It's like I'm constantly in my own mind, both the child and the parent who's about to dole out <laughs> discipline, you know, wrap yeah. myself on the knuckles yeah. with a stick for going, you made a mistake, yeah. how dare you? And yeah. so I, I'm, I struggle to get past that because I, I don't know, Megan, I, I guess I, I sometimes bemoan um, the fact that I don't enjoy what I do sometimes yeah. because of that perfectionistic bent. Yeah, I was talking to one of our dressers um, who had been in the Broadway world and she'd performed a lot herself. And I was just like, God, it's just really hard to be an artist. Like, I want to just enjoy this moment. I just, you know, we had a great performance and I'm like bummed about it. It's just part of, you know, what we do. Yeah, well, and and like you said, it's like it it drives you forward. Yeah, It's so much of what has, um, not the only thing, but certainly one of the elements that's brought you to where you are. And then yet, Sometimes I just wish I exactly. wish I would just go to sleep in moments. I wish it'd be I like completely rather agree. than being my Siamese twin. I wish I could just sever it and go. Just leave me alone for a exactly. week and let me enjoy this. Put it on airplane from... mode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, okay. So you so you mentioned um, moving to New York City uh-huh. when you were sixteen. So uh-huh. I I moved to New York City when I was thirty five, uh-huh. and that was overwhelming for me at, at thirty five. Yeah. What, what was that like moving here? At, at 16 years old, and you, you moved here to join the American Ballet Company, right? Well, um, so I moved here to join the School of American Ballet, which feeds into the New York City Ballet. Okay. There's another company called American Ballet Theater that's okay. also a really big company in New York, okay. but they're completely separate from us. But our school sounds like their name, okay. so it can gotcha. be confusing to people. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and they do the School of American Ballet, we call it SAB, they do a nationwide audition tour every year, and okay. so... Everyone is coming from different a different state. Everyone's kind of in it with you. Yeah. So you're in a dormitory, um, in which is like in the same building as where you're going to be taking these ballet classes, and mm. five blocks away from where your high school is. And so it's this very little small world of like five blocks that you live in, but you're doing it with, you know, other people your age yeah. that are doing exactly the same thing, and it kind of just feels like the best time of your life, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but, but I mean, were you, I mean, Megan, I just can't get over this. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, were you terrified? Were you homesick? Were, were you like, what um, have I done? I I didn't get homesick. I got just tired out just yeah. to be 16. Not only, you know, people have a fun time with friends in college in a dorm <laughs> when they're 18, but we were 16 and it was like a slumber party every yeah, night and right. I was like not getting sleep. So by the time that first uh, holiday came up, it was Thanksgiving, I hit a wall. I was like in tears, just like Mm. exhausted. And the director of the dormitory was like, you need to go home a week early. And just like, you know, you just have to learn how to like pace your life of how to get all this homework done and Mm -hmm. be with these friends and do all these ballet classes. Mm -hmm. So, But but even that, I mean, you know, to that kind of conversation we were having earlier of what are some of maybe the misnomers about the ballet world. Mm -hmm. Like, I would never expect your director to say, hey, maybe you should go home a week early. I mean, I would expect him to give you the big suck it up speech and (laughs) like drag you out there. They were the director of like the dormitory, not the artistic side (laughs) of things. But in the school, they were very nurturing. I remember um, Mm. the director of the school coming up to me and being like, you look really tired. Are you okay? And I'm like, well, (laughs) 
what do you think? Like, yeah. we're, I've got five school classes and all mm-hmm. these ballet classes. Mm-hmm. I'm just working really hard. It's I, th- I look back at high school as some of the hardest. I mean, mm. we have to push, even if you're not doing ballet, like that amount, waking up yeah. so early, studying so much. Yeah. Like, I just, like, never want to go back to those years. You know, it's a lot of exhaustion of and pushing yourself. And especially as a dancer, you're, like, developing muscle. Mm. So you're getting really, really tired yeah. because you're trying to train your body. Mm. So, but our schedule was interesting. We we were just—I mean, it was just so much fun. You're with your friends. We would wake up, go to the school. It was called Professional Children's School. Mm. Scarlett Johansson was in my graduating class. Wow! So it was like actors, models, musicians, ballet dancers, people with a professional schedule that Mm -hmm. were still in high school. And um, so you would take two school classes, then you'd walk back and you'd go do a ballet class, and then you'd have lunch, and then you'd go mm. back and take two school classes, and then you'd go back and have a ballet class. And mm. then it was like 4.30, and maybe you'd have rehearsal for something coming up, or you're just doing your homework, yeah. and then the next day, all over again. I mean, did you ever did you ever reach a point in this where, um, where you wanted to quit? Uh, there's a, a big performance at the end of the year that like directors from ballet companies come, not mm. just New York City Ballet's director, which is the company that the school feeds into, but like other directors. And it's the way you get your job as a ballet dancer. You get hired before college. If you go through mm. to college age or when you go to college, you've missed out mm. on being a professional ballet dancer. Wow. So, um, so it was this big performance, and I had the big lead role, and we like rehearsed it for months on end. Mm. And talk about beating yourself up over being perfect. We rehearsed so many times for just like one or two shows, mm. like to execute exactly how you've hoped for all these months mm. in that small amount of time. It's, I think of it like how difficult it must be training for the Olympics like a gymnast yeah, right. like all those years they're mm-hmm. training and then they just have that one moment yep. it's um it was, it was a little bit like that I think and I remember that spring break I went home I was really burnt out I just felt like it was too much and I tried not to get on the plane but I look back and my dad was already down the terminal it was before <laughs> 9-11 so yeah. he was like right at the gate yeah. and I'm sure he was crying I cried the whole way mm. Uh, back to New York on the plane, but I got back and I um, I did the show and you know I you know everything would have been different if I hadn't gotten so yeah. sometimes it's not fun yeah, you know right. I did push through sometimes where yeah. I was burnt out I was like oh I don't want to dance anymore just because you're tired hmm. but hmm. it's nothing like you know a month or two of good rest and yeah. freedom from it can't fix so yeah. I always enjoyed it and my mom I am grateful because my mom always. You know, to move out to New York, I think, could be something that a lot of kids feel a lot of pressure to mm. do well for mm-hmm. their parents. Like, mm. we're letting you do this. You better yeah. show something or for it at the end. we're for our income or yeah. whatever it is. And my mom always told me, no matter what point you're at or what, mm. you can always come back home. And we won't wow. judge you. And you can mm. just – there was mm. this always open-door policy mm-hmm. of, well, mm-hmm. we're making this really big step in your life. And – your dad and I are nervous about it, but like mm. it's okay to go backwards. And mm. so I mm. was able to constantly make the decision for myself, you know, every day yeah. that this is what I'm choosing to do with my yeah, life. Right. And so it d- never felt like a waste and it always felt like I was living my dream of exactly what I wanted to mm. do. And, mm. you know, I think uh, the one bad thing about the ballet industry that people assume that it's probably true is that you know there's that ballet mom that gets too involved yeah right and you never do well you know when when your mom is Hmm. kind of trying to live vicariously through your Mm -hmm. uh, successes and so my mom gave this proper distance and so Mm. I I think that really helped me get through the the highs and the lows well and that and that certainly I mean that makes it I mean, it sounds like you owned it the whole way. Yeah. It's like, no, this is what I'm choosing to yeah. do. I don't, I don't feel like I'm being paternally bullied exactly. into this. It was never like a that. duty I owed to my parents. Yeah. That you know, like I feel like there's a lot of kids that are like, oh, I have to p- practice piano. Or it was never like that. <laughs> yeah, it was right. like I always wanted to go to ballet class. Yeah. Right. You. Oh, wow. And and I mean, I'm so intrigued by by what you do in part because so many um, artistic pursuits. They're extremely trying um, psychologically, emotionally, um, mentally, whatever, mm-hmm. even in their own way, relationally. But yours has this physical mm-hmm. component to it that, right. that a lot of I, I know for me, you know, I don't have to deal with. I mean, sure, I, I have to deal with like carpal tunnel syndrome <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, sometimes my back gets stiff. Right. 
Um, but but I mean, what has it been like to establish um, for you the kind of habits you need to make this possible over the long haul? It's hardest at the beginning of your career because you're all of a sudden asking your body to ha- maintain this professional schedule and you don't know your boundaries of what your mm. body can handle yet. Yeah. And you don't quite yet know what you're going to even ask it to do. You know, you're going in there at the day in the beginning of the day and and you just you do the choreography they give you and mm-hmm. and you're not really in charge of your schedule and you might have too much on your plate mm-hmm. and too many you know performances at night and so the beginning of the career is the hardest you're trying to prove yourself and you you also don't know where that limit is as you get older you're like you have a very clear understanding of, okay, well, my calf is fatiguing right now, Hmm. and I know if I do one more rehearsal on it, it's going to be strained tomorrow, and I won't be able to walk. Hmm. And and so I'm just very like, I can't do rehearsal anymore. And they don't, you know, with the seniority I have in the company now, you have those kind of liberties. It's basically just like, be healthy and do a good show. That's my responsibility. Hmm. And so I do um, as much or as little rehearsal as I need to get that done. But at the beginning of your career, you don't know the idiosyncrasies of your body. Of Mm. Every body is a little bit different on each side. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like I eventually found out two years into my career, okay, my left leg, when I dance a lot, gets a little bit longer. Or you could say my right leg gets a little shorter and hiked up. And it would affect all of like my my left hip and, Mm. you know, my right bunion. All these things (laughs) diagonally are affected (laughs) by... Um, just a little bit of difference in the way your body's built. Yeah. And so you just learn about them mm-hmm. and uh, develop the right kind of maintenance program mm-hmm. so that you can, you know, yeah. keep going. So I know now I have to go to the chiropractor at least once a week while mm-hmm. I'm dancing. And I stay up with our PTs and our massage yeah. people and yeah. um, just listen to your body. But it is tormenting at the beginning of a career to feel like, I just want to keep dancing. I just I want to take this great part they're giving me, but my yeah, body's right. hurting. Yeah, right. And so right. at the beginning of the career, it is this real issue to to know when to say when. Yeah. Well, and that's such a to me, that's such a fascinating question. Um, I'm, I mean, just in life mm-hmm. in general, it's like, when, right. is it, when is it time to push through and when is it time right. to just, I don't know, momentarily surrender and right. now is the time to rest and rejuvenate so that I, right. I can push or, or even, um, you know, for the painter or the musician um, or, or, you know, in my field writing, even when in the void of inspiration mm-hmm. and when it's not happening, when do I just say, yeah. hey, you know what? I need to go for a walk. Exactly. I need two days off. Yeah. I need to go to the woods. I need to walk with my dog. I yeah. need to, you know, whatever, exactly. watch a dumb movie and just let my even, I don't know, you're talking about it in a very physical sense of kind of like obeying the demands of your body. Yeah. But how do I even do that with my emotions? Like, how do I do that with my mind when my mind is tired? Do I just say, you know what, like maybe the best thing I can do for the creativity as a whole right. is not to force it to do more, right. but to actually allow it to rest. And, and it raises questions for me too. Like what as, again, as humans, but just as artists in all fields, what does self-care look like? Yeah, I mean, for you, it, it's... Um, I mean, it's it's paramount physically, but I think as people and artists, it's paramount, you know, not only physically, but psychologically and yeah. emotionally. It's like, how do I take care of myself? I mean, right. you, you were talking before we came in the air a little bit about, you know, meditation and, mm-hmm. or, or for me, it's like sleep right. and, and eating right. right and having good conversations so that I'm healthy inside and out so that I can make the things and maximize hopefully the ideas and and potentials that I have you know (laughs) I think actually it's sometimes easier for a dancer because your body will literally just kind of break if you Mm. push too hard or too long yeah like your body will tell you Mm -hmm. if you don't want to listen to it it'll still speak up yeah and so whether or not you listen to it is you know is one thing but you can minimize getting to that point yeah. if you listen a little earlier yeah. and you're like okay if I stop now yeah. I won't have to be out for so long uh-huh. but um, there also is the mental exhaustion too and of course and I you know I, w- I have to say I think dancers just barrel through it really yeah yeah and it's kind of part of there's a bit of a masochistic kind of uh-huh. uh, aspect to ballet and dancing that it it, you know, a little bit of that, like Black Swan, yeah, you know, sure. painful artist, like mm-hmm. loving it, but yes. hating it at the same time. Right, right. The ballet dancers just kind of push through. Yeah, I, I had this um, I had this time in 2015 where 
I'm, you know, I'm, I'm stumbling my way towards completing my third book. Mm-hmm. And I had the month, I think it was the month of October in 2015. And it just so happened um, that my wife was out of town for about a month for mm-hmm. her own work. And I remember thinking, okay, while I'm going to miss her, this I'm gonna, I'm gonna really be productive. Right. And so I, I pretty much um, didn't, you know, go outside the the apartment for a month, other than oh just to God. walk my dog or get wow. food. That was it. And I would wake up, and I would, and I would sleep late. I would wake up around noon, but then I'd write till about three or four in the morning. Wow. And I did it for a week, and I did it for two, and then I did it for three. And I did it for four, and at the end of the month, I had to go, and I had some, um, I had some work in Chicago where I was doing some live storytelling and whatnot. And my my two sisters live in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I was exhausted, and I knew I I didn't feel right. I had kind of developed this like sort of thinly veiled paranoia, even. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just overwhelmed by my own emotions. Yeah. I hadn't been interacting with anybody. I just really hadn't taken care of myself, right. and so I get to Chicago. I go to my sister's house, and her husband opens the door, and I walk in, and I give him a hug, and he <laughs> hugs me, and I just break down in tears. Oh, my God. I just break down, and I'm, like, sobbing in my <laughs> brother-in-law's chest, and, and I just felt I just felt this sense of, like, fatigue, yeah. and, and, and I was longing just for, like, a sense of, like... Uh, connectivity to mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. I was longing to have like a sense of like emotional safety where I could kind of ventilate a lot of the stuff that had just been kind of trapped between my head and my toes. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, you know, <laughs> one of the major lessons for me in that was I have to take I have to take care of myself yeah. and wrestle I mean, maybe the you know, the responsibility in that is not just taking care of yourself, but kind of how you were talking, asking the question what does it look like to take care of myself right. before I can actually before right. I can actually do it? Yeah. I've always myself had a pretty good sense of balance. Like I can't push myself mm. crazily hard, you know. Yeah. I just don't have that in me. I'm a little bit too normal. Mm. I'm like not one I, I'm not that black swan character. <laughs> I am just too normal. And so I, I have a pretty good radar that goes off when I just like mm. need some space from it. Um, but I think dancers in general are pretty good about like they'll be really, really disciplined, but then they'll go out and like celebrate with drinks afterwards yeah. or go out dancing and have fun. Right. And and just when you think that they're, you know, must be too tired to to stay up and go out and celebrate, yeah. you know, you finish a show and you're kind of on a high. Mm. And your adrenaline's pumping, and and you can't go to sleep. Yeah, right. So you kind of go celebrate <laughs> right. afterwards sometimes, yeah, right. and that's a great release after yeah. working so hard. Right. Oh, I'm sure. You know. Well, and you mentioned the celebrate celebratory aspect following a show. I mean, what's it like when when you know me and all of our listeners were sitting up there with our playbill and <laughs> flipping through and reading and looking at the Megan. Fairchild picture and reading your bio and we can't wait uh-huh. and the curtain opens like right before that moment and you're backstage like like put us in your mind for a moment and in your emotions how do you feel well you're focused on all of these little details so you're not really thinking oh people are sitting and it's quiet <laughs> and now the lights are getting dark and it's opening up on this really clean stage and <laughs> you know I have to fill it with beautiful <laughs> things it's like so not like that from that perspective mm. and sometimes I, I really try not to look from out front Mm. too much because then I really get in my head in a weird way. Mm. But um, usually it, you're, you're just trying to time out your preparation. So we've got to put our makeup on. We've got to do our hair, get our headpiece on, um, make sure we have no holes in our tights. Yeah. And then you it's all about the point shoes and making mm. sure that they are perfect and like properly broken in for the ballet that you're about to do. Because as you wear them, they change. Hmm. In terms of their um, hardness okay. that they give you, and and you, it's like a Goldilocks situation where straight out of the package they're too hard, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then they can easily become too soft to mm-hmm. execute certain steps really easily. Mm-hmm. So it, for the the girls in in the ballet, it's all about the point shoe. Before it goes up, you're just kind of like fiddling more. Maybe if I break it down here, and and it's kind of all about that. Um, and and just also like making sure your body is like properly warm. So we have to do a ballet bar again, even though we did one earlier in the day. You kind of start the day from scratch physically, and um, so you kind of do all those things in this. And I also meditate before every show. Okay. But um, so you get into a routine, and it's it's just kind of 
I don't know. There's this like kind of energy that we all love about it, yeah. you know? And yeah. There's a there's a uh, uh, there's a, a German woman named Pina. I think her name is Pina Bausch. Yes, is I've that her name? Of, yeah. And she she worked a lot in modern dance, but she also directed ballets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And she has this. Um, saying about about dancing that I'd love I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about and, and your response to it but um, she says something to the effect of I don't look for how someone dances I look for what makes them dance mm. and I mean she seems to be speaking to why why is like what's driving them internally so I guess maybe my <laughs> my question Megan is why do you dance because you've just taken us into this moment before yeah. you step out there, like, like why do you dance? What what makes you do this? I think that there's always different inspiration. Mm-hmm. I, it's not always the same thing. Um, and, you know, there are some people that I work with that I can really see, like, they cannot breathe or exist without it. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that I am not that way. Mm-hmm. So in You don't need it. I, You're not going to dry up and shrivel no, away without I, it. I definitely think I am... It's almost like I am discovering how much I love it the more I go into my career. But I kind of approached it very logically and rationally, not so artistically, (laughs) not so like, I just need to move. But now... (laughs) This wasn't wasn't Ren McCormick, Kevin Bacon in Footloose where you're like, I just have to dance. No, I I wasn't like that. It was just like, wow, I'm good at this. I'm going to go to the next step. And oh, wow, I'm good at this. I'm going to go to the next step. That's kind of how it happened for me. And so I kind of like ended up in this amazing... Hmm you know, with this amazing responsibility and this amazing rank, but mm. without having yet asked that kind of question yeah. to myself, I didn't mm. get, uh, got promoted very, very quickly in the company. Mm. And so I didn't get to ever get that drive organically where yeah. you're like standing, you know, you're the fourth swan on the right yeah. and you're like, oh, I just want to be in the center and yeah, right. do the swan queen. I've never had that. Mm. I never got to be in the core long enough to have that mm. kind of thing that, that told me this is why I need to dance. Hmm. And as the responsibilities of my career loaded up and I just kept executing one after another, I eventually would realize like after we'd take a layoff and we would come back to it that this is so a part of who I am and and a Hmm. part of my body that I literally now just need to move. Like it just feels so good to point my foot and stretch my leg out. Like it is, (laughs) it is so ingrained in me now, but it wasn't like I, I kind of, I kind of came at it from the other direction Hmm. and have like learned how much it truly, um, you know, helps me thrive. But, but I see other people that really speak to me that I'm like, wow, I am not made of that same fabric. I'm coming at it from a, a little more of a, you know, the technical aspect. And, and over time, I've had to develop that artistic side yeah. and, and ask myself, do I love it? Why do I love it? And mm-hmm. and, and what things about it? And I mean, I, I think if it wasn't for the music, mm. I wouldn't be as interested in what I'm doing. But mm. we get to dance to like an enormous orchestra yeah. every single time we get out there. Yeah. I mean, when I was on Broadway, they were like, oh, it's the biggest orchestra on Broadway. It was like 26 piece orchestra. And I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, like this is an amateur. <laughs> yeah, hour. I was like, we have an enormous. I mean, it must be like forty to fifty, you yeah, know, right. orchestra members down there, and it sounds in, um, it's so elevating mm-hmm. spiritually. Yeah, right. And and how can you not fall in love yeah. with that? You know, oh, so it's I, kind of like the cherry on top after all this oh, work yeah. I put in. Like, oh yeah, this is worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, and for for me, I don't know why classical music for me is just like. I don't know. There, there's there's something that gets at that a lot of like modern music yeah. for me doesn't. Uh-huh. It just like accesses things in me. Yeah. Like I was even listening to um, th- there's this okay. So there's this like I don't even know if you call them a band, um, a band, a duo, something. These two individuals, these two gentlemen, mm-hmm. they're I want to say they're Czechoslovakian, mm-hmm. and their group is called Two Cellos. Are you familiar with them? No. Okay, Megan. <laughs> YouTubing project. Okay. As if you don't have. <laughs> way more important things to do. But but there are these two individuals named Two Cellos, um, and they're both classically trained cellists, and uh-huh. they met, and they were kind of like rivals rising up uh-huh. through the European orchestral ranks. Uh-huh. But they eventually became kind of allies, uh-huh. and they formed this group called Two Cellos where they, just with cellos, will play like Thunderstruck by ACDC and Welcome oh, cool. to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses <laughs> and they'll play, um, you know, Muse and Coldplay and all this stuff. 
and I watch them and they're extremely demonstrative when they play. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're shaking the cello around and strings are breaking all oh, wow. over the where yeah. you know, all over the place. But they whenever they play this music that I would love even in its modern kind of iteration, mm-hmm. when it's set to that sound of strings yeah. and like orchestra, there's just like to me it's kind of next level. Yeah. And and I don't I don't totally understand what it is, but but the other day I discovered one of their more um, classical rendered songs. Mm-hmm. And it's called Gabe. I think it's called Gabriel's Oboe. Uh huh. And I mean, you know, I'm a I'm a pile of tears in my latte <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Just listening, not because it's sad, but it's it it feels like it accesses a dimension of happiness yeah. and joy um, that a lot of that a lot of things don't. And I think ballet has a similar quality to it. There's like an indescribable sort of beauty. I mean, Einstein said that, you know, dancers are God's athletes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so there's, there's this, there is this kind of like divine mm-hmm. quality to, to ballet, particularly when married to this kind of, I don't know, just overwhelming orchestral score. Yeah, it definitely, I think ballet, it, it as does classical music, has the ability to, to ev- elevate you, you know, just from... Yeah that normal pedestrian kind of <laughs> yeah. state, yeah. you know, to, it's, it's just so, uh, I'm not a religious person, but we have this one ballet <laughs> called Serenade hmm. and, uh, it is, it has the most beautiful lighting. Hmm. It's really simple. It's mainly centered on the female corps de ballet, but there's something about the music. I think it's Tchaikovsky. I hope hmm. I'm right. Um, and it, it is the this feeling of feeling close to God. Yeah, that is how I would describe right. it. It yeah. just takes you to a higher place. Yeah, I mean, I have a similar feeling, a similar sensation when I'm in, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to stand in the Sistine Chapel mm-hmm. where it's like standing in there and it's just, it, you just kind of like words just kind of become impossible right. at, at that point. But But you mentioned something before that I'm fascinated by. So you mentioned experiencing a little bit of the um, the difference between being in in the ballet environment and then being in the Broadway environment. Yes. And so, in correct me if I'm wrong, I'm wrong often. <laughs> but in 2014, you went to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Is that what they say? You went. Yeah. To, you were on Broadway. Yeah. And you were in our town. On the town. On the town. On the town. That's right. Yeah. And and you you played Ivy Smith. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. And so. I, I, I'm curious as to what pushed you because that seems to um, that step seems to trespass some of what <laughs> had been your customary yeah. artistic boundaries. So why yeah. was that important for you to try something different um, that was beyond what you had had done? Well, about um, six months prior to being asked to audition, I started meditating, mm. and um, I started meditating for health reasons. I was kind of having panic attack episodes, like Mm. at the doctor's office or something, Mm. you know, like with a needle. But it was kind of like, you know, or if I would, you know, see blood, I was just like. And this was all, this was new? uh, It was like throughout my 20s. Okay. You know, so I was professional. I had a high, a a stressful job, Mm. but I don't think I was managing my stress very well. So I uh, searched for so many answers and I landed upon a ballet ballet mistress in our company suggested transcendental meditation. Mm. And... I was like so desperate, and so I tried it. Yeah. And actually, I have an uncle that does it, so I was like, maybe this is something good for my genes. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Looking back now, I kind of see that that kind of opened me up to saying yes to opportunities I wouldn't normally say no to. Okay. And they were mm-hmm. asking um, a lot of ballet dancers. I, I knew of some people in our company, they had asked to audition for this, and I was like, oh, good for them. <laughs> like, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I just never, I'm I'm not also super ambitious. Hmm. I, I've, I've gotten very lucky. That which is, which have, is so, so jarring to hear <laughs> because you've accomplished so much. Things have just gone really well and landed in yeah. my lap. I mean, I, I would say I attribute my success to constantly working really hard hmm. and a lot of luck and being hmm. in the right place at the right time. Hmm. But I never am the kind of person that's like, I someday would like to be on Broadway. <laughs> so that's just not how it happened. And 
And so then one day, uh, my brother was already um, kind of working on Broadway a little bit. He did American in Paris mm-hmm. on Broadway. He got nominated for a Tony, lead amazing. actor. Uh, but his process was already starting, and so he was a little bit in that world, and the casting director had his phone number, and they contacted him, and they were like, would your sister be interested in auditioning? Hmm. And he sent me the text they sent him, and I was like, oh, my God. No way. But that is, like, really cool. I mean, I can't believe someone... Were, were even... you saying no way because you feared you were unable or because you were terrified? I just was like, Broadway, people are asking me to audition. Like, they don't know me. Like, I don't do that. And so I dismissed it quickly. I was like, tell them I'm really flattered, but no. And then the next morning, it was like a lightning bolt hit me. And I woke up and I was like, what are you saying no for? You have nothing yeah. to lose. Mm. I was at a place in my career where I felt a little bit boxed in artistically in like mm. kind of, you know, stuck in a little bit of a a corner in terms of what they were asking me to do. Mm. It's just all the same. I had yeah. really great things I was doing, yeah. but just all the same mm-hmm. and wanting to just branch out a little bit. And so I was like, mm. this is your branch out opportunity. Just And so I took the audition as an exercise just to do the audition itself, hmm. just to be out of yeah. my comfort zone. It wasn't like hmm. what it could lead to. It was like, my brother's hmm. doing Broadway right now. Like, go in and do this audition. See what his little world is like. Yeah. Like, just go do the audition to hmm. get out of this place you're stuck yeah. in, to just not say no once. Right, right. And I got the part in the room. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No like, callback. No, no. No, nothing. Wow. Which I know is not usual. And it just so happened they had seen everyone for second callbacks. I was like a last minute option. Hmm. So they knew all of the other people they were looking at. And everyone was in the room because I was like in the last hour. Yeah. So the director, the producer, the producer's son, the um, actor I would be acting in a scene with was there, everyone was there, and so they were able to make the decision on the spot, which is really unique. And I was like so shocked by it because I was like, mm. wait, I never thought this through. I was just doing the audition for fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, but how can you say no to Broadway? So the director, John Randall's like, so you'll be making your Broadway debut in August. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was on such a high, I was walking, it was like, some you know Pearl Studios on like 34th or something and like 9th Avenue and I walked all the way back to Lincoln Center and like I mean I, I'm, dancers don't walk in season we were in the middle of a season oh, okay. and we do not walk on our day off we, that is like a big thing and I walked the entire time I called my mom wow. I called everybody and it was just like holy cow what, what was your you mentioned earlier your mom's affection for musicals oh my I gosh. mean what, what what did your mom say when you called her and well, gave her the news when I told my parents I was going to audition they laughed at me <laughs> and I was like you guys stop it I'm just you know you got to be proud of me I'm like try, I'm trying to go out on a limb and right. see what you see what's out there. Like, be supportive, <laughs> you know. And I think then they kind of were just like admiring my, you know. I I think they really were like, you can't sing at all. <laughs> and and really, the only reason I agreed to audition was because they said it doesn't require any principal Broadway singing. You're supposed to be mm. in a singing lesson, and it's a bit comical. It doesn't yeah. matter how you sing. I was like, okay. So my mom then, when I told her. I texted her in big capital letters, I got the part. Wow. And she was like, what? I mean, (laughs) the whole first couple of rehearsals of the process, she texted me like every couple hours, how's Mm. it going? Mm. She's never been that interested in my ballet career. (laughs) (laughs) So her whole family came back, saw performances of Robbie on Broadway and me Mm. on Broadway Mm. and um, it was like a big thing, so yeah, that was huge. That that should be that should be a big thing, Maggie. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and the fact that my brother and I got to be on Broadway, yeah, from coming from the ballet world, which is unique, but at the same time on Broadway, yeah. and we like bumped into each other one time in Times Square, like in the subway station, and yeah. we took a selfie because we were like, "What are we doing? That is absolutely so crazy. That's absolutely amazing." Do you? I mean, do you consider that? And if not, what is? Do you consider that the kind of the highlight oh, of your career? I would do it again in a heartbeat, and I am grateful every day that I said yes to that. Yeah, that I woke up that morning and was like. What are you wasting your time? You know, go yeah. do this audition. Right. Just go try. Yeah. Why not just try? Well, and I, I love the I love the mentality too of going. This isn't this isn't about getting the part. Yeah. It's about taking a step that's outside of my norm. Being able to just say yes to the audition was a terrifying thing for yeah, me. Right. And by the time I said yes to them, leading mm. up to the audition, which was only like a day or two later, I mm. had to prepare a song. I had to prepare a little. Mm 
you know, the sides where you read. And um, I obviously was like, well, if they need me to dance, I can dance. Yeah. But um, I was shaking up mm. until that point from when I said yes to that, like, through to the end of the audition I was like shaking every morning I woke up it was only like a day or two I had but yeah, like right. I was like, constantly shaking because oh I gosh. was like really stretching myself and Absolutely. like feeling so uncomfortable Absolutely. and then it turned into a whole year of just mm. feeling uncomfortable and learning to roll with it yeah. and just like why not I mean what, it, what, what would you say is the greatest lesson you learned through that process um to know your opportunities when they're in front of you mm. you know it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like mm. And I, you know, I'm not usually cast in um, modern ballets now, like choreographers now coming in don't usually work with me. They, there's a very select group of people they like to work with in the company that just mm. are more geared. They've just somehow gone in this path in their career and yeah. they're the people that do the new ballets. Yeah. And I am um, very technical. And so I kind of specialize in the more technical older ballets. Mm that are classics of our company. So I love my job. I love the repertoire that I have. I love the path of my career. But I always was like, oh, why can't I do those new ballets? And so I kept thinking, when is that going to happen for me? When am I going to get to do those new mm. ballets? And instead it came to me in a whole completely mm. different way. Yeah, right. I went to Broadway, yeah, right. which was, you know, such a departure. Yeah, right. And I was acting and singing on stage. Mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't have dreamed this up. Yeah, right. So the fact that I was aware enough in the moment to Mm. not to be like, that's your chance, but to just be like, this is a place where you could stretch yourself. Who Mm -hmm. knows where it will Mm -hmm. lead? But just Mm -hmm. the, you know, being able to be open minded enough to see it. Well, it sounds like you you were able to recognize and embrace the idea that even if it led nowhere professionally, the right. personal growth oh, that it yeah. would kind of perpetuate was reason enough to do it. Absolutely. And, and it would affect me professionally that just going to that yeah. audition. Even, um, I mean, I got the part in the room, but even the performances I did that week at New York City Ballet, I remember there was a kind of freedom to to my dancing that <laughs> I, I didn't have before. It was yeah. just like the fact that that I said yes to something that scared me hmm. opened up hmm. a lot of options. I'm sure. I'm sure. You and know, I just like I kind of became fearless. I was like, whoa, all of a sudden I, I yeah. broke out of this box just, hmm. you know, in my mind. I, I wasn't like boxing myself in mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and you certainly mm-hmm. seem to take a fairly immersive role, a like approach mm-hmm. to every role yeah. you take on. And I, and I want to, I want to ask you, cause you were, you were in Sleeping Beauty uh-huh. and, uh, yeah, and we're I, doing it again in about a month. Really? Yeah. Where, where Well, are maybe you? two months where? at New York city ballet where okay. we have two straight weeks of Sleeping Beauty, the first two weeks of February. Now what, now what is it about that story? Cause that, that story, I mean, has existed for hundreds mm-hmm. of years now and it's, you know, in all different Forms, you know, whether that's on stage or screen or mm-hmm. literature or whatever. Um, but what is it about that story that you you really resonate with? Um, it's hard to say because you're given a role usually because you look like you fit the part <laughs> and because you can technically handle it. Hmm. So it comes like backwards from a from a whole different yeah. angle all over again. Like I said before, but um, you know, you're playing a 16 year old who's at a birthday. And she's supposed to pick a suitor. And so, you know, it is, it works for me because I have a a younger look. So Mm. I can always kind of play a younger character. But um, I I just really love to do, uh, I love to tell a story. Mm. And we don't often get to do that at New York City Ballet. We're a more uh, neoclassical company where everything's pared down. There's no set. There's no story. Yeah, right. It's just the music and the dance in response to it. Hmm. And uh, so we don't get that many opportunities, but getting to act on stage every time I have an opportunity yeah. to kind of convey an emotion hmm. is uh, super gratifying to me. So I really enjoy that aspect. But then it's also um, the one thing about Sleeping Beauty is that it's kind of like the the pinnacle of, you know, difficult classical ballets because mm. at the very beginning of the ballet, she comes out and it's her birthday and it, she has to do this uh, 
rose adagio where each suitor comes up and like gives her a rose and they do she does these complicated balances with she mm. with each of them so she's holding one of their hands she lets go and balances and in between the uh, the other suitor comes in and offers his hand and then she rests her hand oh. and all this time she's on one foot balancing oh my and it happens um twice she goes through all four suitors balancing like that and it's like this huge <laughs> applause yeah, afterwards right. yeah, and right. it's so iconic yeah right and it's been you know all of the big ballerinas have done the rose adagio yeah, right, right. and so i don't know it's it's kind of fun to do something really big like that like sleeping beauty because it's this huge journey all night long you're dancing 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 mm. and then and then you kind of like wake up from a dream at the end you're yeah, like right. whoa i got you're so focused yeah. in the character in the technique and what's the next entrance and then after it's all over it's just this really like gratifying feeling after mm. you've done something mm. so big well, and, and all this and all this um, ballet expertise you have and experience, you're you're now and have been funneling that into into teaching ballet. Yes, too, yes. right? Tell tell me about that because I, I I mean you you seem to have a very um, philanthropic <laughs> thread to to a lot of a lot of what you do. But but tell me about that. Um. So a couple of years ago, I was asked by the director who first brought me to the School of American Ballet if I'd like to you know start subbing here and there yeah. as a teaching fellow mm. and at first I was excited and then I taught my first class and I was like oh I don't know <laughs> <laughs> wait did it go poorly did the kids throw it's just at you or such a different angle after all these years to be up in the front and uh it just took me a little while to get used to it and f- I knew that I could be good at it mm. but it's hard to explain when you've been a professional for so long mm. how to break something down, how to do something, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. how to, you know, if someone's trying to do a certain step but they can't, mm-hmm. how do you, what, what do you say that will make it easier for them? Mm-hmm. And if you say the wrong thing, they can easily get, go really in the wrong direction. Yeah. And so it's very sensitive in that way. And I was just, I think actually going on Broadway and kind of literally finding a voice mm-hmm. and being more vocal mm-hmm. and more outgoing mm-hmm. really helped me in my teaching because mm-hmm. now I, I'm, have no problem being in the front of the room and uh and over time after you know you teach one class you're like wait I could not quite describe how to do that and then you go and you take your own class and you do your own day of work and you're like oh and it kind of so it kind of Mm. helps your own dancing but then also you you realize oh this is what what works I'll tell them that next Mm. time Mm. and so it kind of takes a while to figure out and I also don't yet have my own consistent class that I've gotten to see like grow up the longest I've ever taught anywhere was um, at a summer program somewhere Mm. for two straight weeks and Mm. I found that very rewarding it's Mm. more rewarding having the same people over from day to day and seeing them improve is is very gratifying so I uh, I look forward to that kind of opportunity to to really teach in a more thorough way. Oh yeah, and to get get to see your little your little pieces of clay get yeah. get, get molded into, yeah. in, into something more. Well, and I I mean I think back to um, and, and I still have people that do this, but people who have you know been creative mentors or you know mentors or teachers. Um, you know, within my craft and I've got mm-hmm. to be their apprentice, even if it's even if it's short term. And obviously it's it's a little easier to um, see it when it's over the long term. Mm-hmm. But these people that have played such a, a pivotal role in shaping me and investing in me. I mean, those are those are some people that it's it's not uncommon to on a regular basis, randomly think of them and go, this right. is the per- person that taught me that. Right. Or to years later go, that's what they meant. Yeah. And, and to not to not that's even true. understand it in the moment. But years later, have this final moment of clarity <laughs> where yeah. there's kind of like it all. Their lesson becomes congruent with my growth, and I go, "Now I understand what they were saying to yeah. me." You know, back in that cafe, exactly. <laughs> cafe eating breakfast tacos <laughs> all those years ago, or whatever. Well, and the ballet world can be so uh, kind of cold, hmm. just because it's such a disciplined art form. Mm-hmm. And so I always ch- and there were a couple of. Um, principals that were older than me when I first got in the company that were very warm to me and made me realize, oh, wow, you can be a normal, nice human being yeah. and be really still good in this industry. Mm. And so I kind of have that as my mission to kind of debunk the idea that it doesn't have to be an uninviting yeah. environment. Right. And 
understand that you can be kind and generous mm. in spirit mm. and it won't take away from yourself artistically mm. because in the ballet world it's often kind of like each man to himself it's yeah. like fighting for that part yeah, right. and it, it is very intense in that way and so I, I really never want to go back to you know my teenage years you know working to get into a company or even the first couple years in the company mm. were just so uh, difficult you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I think that mm. it can all happen in an easier way yeah, and right. so I, I cherish any opportunity to like kind of help people through it even like apprentices now in the company I kind of like try to you know someone was upset about something they did yesterday and I'm like look we all mess up she's gonna mess up You're, I messed up already like it just yeah. happens we're not robots mm-hmm. but we're in this environment that's kind of like expecting us to be perfect all the yeah, time so right. I like to you know, keep it warm. So that that is another reason I enjoy teaching because yeah. I, I like to not be scary. I like yeah. to not be the scary ballet teacher. <laughs> the scary ballet teacher. That person would would have been haunt my dreams. And, you know, exactly. I'd see that person in dark hallways <laughs> exactly. or something like that. Well, Megan Fairchild, you are uh, you are, you are so talented. Your, your work is really really wonderful. Uh, for everybody listening, you can you can check out everything Megan is doing. Everything Megan has done at meganfairchild.com. I would highly Highly recommend uh, that you do. Megan, thank you so much for coming by the Marrow. <laughs> please, um, please come and see us again sometime. I would love to. Thanks for having me. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Marrow. To find me on social media for upcoming live appearances or to buy a book, you can visit joshreebach.com. But please join me again next week.